Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. How you doing? Really well. What have we got this week? Well, we have a question that came to us via Twitter from one of our listeners named Barney. Uh, and he asked us uh, if we had any thoughts on a question that someone else had asked, saying, you know, uh, says, hello, Kanban people. With sprints, especially Scrum, you ideally have a nice, well-defined sprint goal. How do you get the same sense of purpose and direction with Kanban? So, uh, Squirrel, I know that you introduce Kanban quite a bit uh, with your clients. Is this a problem you've ever run into? I certainly encounter it quite a lot, where the uh, introduction of this new process often comes with some increased focus, because I'm usually shifting the business in several different directions, including creating greater focus. And my startup practice, where we're usually trying to discover what our product does, and I come in and I say, we should really go this direction. So we do get a kind of company set goal. So it's actually a little bit easier in my situation, I think, than in others which may, who may be in a more steady state who might be running a product that's mature and where people know pretty much what it's supposed to do and they're trying to make various kinds of changes to it. They're, my situation often comes with a, a direction. But that doesn't mean that people are good at actually setting that direction. In fact, that's usually why they hired me is that they need some help with that. It occurs to me, though, we, we really should figure out, number one, how to pronounce it, and number two, what it is. Do you <laughs> want to talk a little bit about that, Jeffrey? Well, on pronunciation, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I was I was heard it as Kanban. Uh, and I always so. say Kanban, which is a very American pronunciation. <laughs> I think it's the Japanese is probably different from both of us. Yes, I think almost certainly true. So what what is Kanban? I think it is something that comes from Japanese, most notably introduced at Toyota as a, a way that they would uh, track uh, work on a on a board. And it's something that people have, have picked up and, and brought into Lean. And I think one of the, the key uh, ideas, I think people often mistake it, is they think if Kanban is a, is a system that you adopt. But really, my uh, experience with Kanban is you begin by modeling your actual process up on the board. And then you can change your process after you have it visualized, you you can then see what it is, and you can deterministically change it. Say so we're going to we're going to alter our process, and then you change your model on the board and change how you work in practice. Sure, we're going to do code reviews before QA, or we're going to make sure that we have a set of steps that we follow before we release. That that's right, and um, and it also allows everyone to visualize where you are, so it it uh, follows the the big visible chart pattern of uh, helping to get people aligned. Sure. And you, and you get work in progress limits as a natural outcome of that. Although a lot of my teams actually turn out not to need them. You, you tend to see that on your big visible chart, you've got lots and lots of backup in QA. And that tells you that it's not such a good idea to write yet more code. It would be better for whoever's writing code to go help test something. Well, that's a good example of how it works in practice, which is the idea that you can see the flow of work on the board and therefore you can debug it. You can diagnose what's going wrong. You can say, oh, look, everything gets stalled at this certain point. How can we understand why that's happening? And then what can we do to, to uh, change what's, what's happening? Sure. If any listeners are not too familiar with Kanban, uh, we'll link to the seminal book in the show notes. Right. So so that's kind of a, a very quick overview of Kanban. But can, what is it? Maybe just to, that's sort of what it is, but why, why does it matter? What does it give you? Can you say a little bit about why you introduce it to uh, your clients that might help people understand how it's different from, from Scrum? Sure. Well, one of the benefits that my clients often get from it, and again, this is not something that is uniform or, or universal from introducing Kanban, but the, the one of the things that often my clients are stuck with is they're working with a very 
rigid scrum style process and it's too rigid for them in particular there's this notion of breaking the sprint and the idea that breaking the sprint is a bad idea and so you've set a goal and i think this is what barney is referring to that you set a goal and you say we're going to do this and if we get any new thing we're going to put it into the next sprint we're not going to work on that we're going to have focus on this activity we're going to have focus on on this thing that we're doing and there's a planning game which is great for alignment on that goal there are um, uh, principles and and uh, habits that you get into that help you to make sure that you stick to that goal for the whole one week or two week or one month sprint and uh, what happens often is that my clients have got into that, but they've actually made themselves too rigid, that they need to shift and iterate and change quickly because their situation is very complex. And we don't know whether the product is working. We need to do a lot of experiments. And so they're willing to trade that greater alignment, the number, they have fewer ceremonies or they happen more frequently. The uh, planning of work happens on the day for example, and there's no notion of a sprint. So that's actually the biggest change that my clients see when they shift from Scrum to Kanban. And I think that's why I do more from Scrum to Kanban. I, I almost never shift the other direction because in startup land, the iterations are usually the most important thing and imperfect alignment uh, uh, is less important than the ability to change priorities literally daily if you need to. I think a lot of people who've experienced only Scrum actually probably have used uh, a Kanban board. Uh, the, the Scrum mm, bond course. model is uh, is fairly popular, so that mm -hmm. it might not be immediately obvious what's different here. I think that the idea is if you have your cards on the board for your sprint, you've determined which those cards are going to be, and and that's it. That that's fixed. And so mm -hmm. that's what I mean by breaking the sprint is saying, well, we're going to change what cards we're doing in this time period. Indeed. And in the Kanban world, that's accepted and uh, encouraged and developers work on whatever is at the top of the backlog and that what is in the backlog can change day to day. Yep. And that's accepted and a good thing. Now, it's interesting because you and I have put together many of these podcasts and we talk quite a bit about learning. And that's the thing that I heard when you say uh, breaking the sprint in, in Scrum, that's terrible. And for us, that means we're responding to change. <laughs> we're, we're, we're learning and we're changing what we're doing as a result. But if you want deeper learning, if you want to, to be really focused, if your situation is one in which deep concentration on a particular area that you're quite confident about is useful to you, then you might actually learn more from a Scrum style model. It just doesn't happen very often to me. Right, given your your context. And I think that's where then Barney describes, he says, uh, when he asked us this question, he says, you know, we're struggling a bit to keep the team focused with a continuous work pipeline. And I think that that change from a sort of sprint-based model where everyone's aligned on this is the goal, there's the one overriding goal that they know that they're working towards, towards... Uh, this continuous flow model where it's just sort of, I've heard the, the, the acronym for business as usual, right? BAU, mm -hmm. yep. uh, that you don't have that same sense of mission and purpose. And that, that can be very uh, energizing uh, with Scrum that people have this goal. And I think that's mm -hmm. what, what he's describing. So what is it about Kanban then that's letting people down? I think you and I said that this really could be um, not a, a problem of Kanban itself. This is that there's a, d a different lack going on here. Sure. Well, it, it seems to me that in my situation, it's often so clear that the business has to do a certain thing that the goal comes from the outside or the goal comes from product thinking, understanding what the product is we're creating and what feedback we're getting from customers. Now, of course, there are lots of situations where that's not as clear or where 
there's not a, a kind of single overarching goal that comes through. And I can certainly imagine that. And my clients often have trouble with that because they're not in the habit of setting that kind of goal. But that happens in sprints as well. You can have a sprint that lacks coherence and, and doesn't have something holding it together. So although you might have a goal, the goal might be get this stuff done. <laughs> and I, I think this naturally gets into the issue of product management. And product management is, is a discipline, I think, that's gotten far more attention in the past 10 years or so uh, than I had seen earlier in my career, uh, maybe in, in the past five. You used to just get people out of whatever business activity they were doing and you name them the product owner. I remember those days. <laughs> that's right. Now I think you can get degrees in product management. Oh, I wasn't aware of that, but it, it certainly makes sense. And certainly there's uh, many more specialized conferences and communities around the discipline of product management. And this, uh, what product management, one of the key uh, jobs and roles of product management, uh, I find, is around telling the story, about making sure that there is a story for what people are doing uh, so that people have a, a greater sense of, of mission and purpose for the work. And that when that's lacking, whether it's Scrum or Kanban, you will have this lack of alignment and lack of failure. And we actually, uh, in, in doing a, a bit of research for this, we, we found a, an article called When Kanban Fails uh, that was based on a presentation um, where someone had gone through some failure modes of Kanban. And one of them he, that he described is that uh, Kanban isn't, is, a, is a change management tool and a way of implementing a system, but it's not the whole thing. It's not, it's not a full-blown process with all the rules and regulations of how you're going to make your decisions and how you're going to communicate. And if you, so you still have this role of communication outside of what's on the board. And I think when people lack that storytelling context, then what you can end up with Kanban is just sort of like a job clearinghouse. Um, as, a, as a developer, I come and look at the board and what's top of the list day to day is very different from one another. And uh, you know, if you have a, a system where you have a bunch of different stakeholders throwing in different jobs and they're jostling for position on the board, it's really hard to make sense of it. And this is something I've actually experienced uh, at Tim. Uh, one of our projects, I think, suffered from this a bit. We, we talked about this in one of our retrospectives that while it kind of made sense that we had different streams of work we were trying to get done by sort of throwing them um, together on the board and, and not carefully managing them and making sure people were aware of the story, they just felt a lack of connection day to day. It was hard to build up any sense of momentum and any sense of larger uh, overall um, idea of what we're trying to accomplish. And uh, this is kind of striking because it was on a project that itself uh, overall was was very focused and where we had a very hard deadline. We were working towards a, um, a, a legal deadline for the implementation of the market abuse regulations that were coming into effect a couple of years ago. And so we were we had a statutory deadline. You had to get it done by the state. The, the regulator was not going to move it for you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that was they were not going to say, you know, move it out a week because we were we were late. Go back to parliament and change the law. That wasn't good. exactly. It was a scenario that you would thought would, would people often use the word force, which I, I hate. They say, oh, you, it's, you think it's a scenario that would have, quote unquote, forced us to have alignment and forced us to have uh, a, a very coherent view of what we're doing. But but we we had failed. We'd managed to to to, uh, to, to not have that. So it was very useful in the retrospective to get that feedback from people that the. Uh, we weren't doing a good enough job in product management in the storytelling aspect. And when we invested more in that, then we were able to sort of get back to um, a more coherent and people felt more comfortable with the process we were doing. 
I've often heard, and there's a great article we'll link in the, in the show notes, I've often heard the phrase feature factory applied to the experience of uh, working on a bag of tasks. There's just somewhere upstream from you, there's a conveyor belt that starts and people put features on it, and the features come down the conveyor belt, and when they get to you, you just work on whatever's next on the conveyor belt, and you put it back on the conveyor belt, and it goes off into the distance, and you've no idea what happens or if anybody cares or if it makes any sense. Yes. And, and that's not a very empowering situation, doesn't lead to great code, doesn't lead to great products in my experience. Yeah, no, it's interesting because if, if this actually comes out of a factory context, right? This comes out of the, the Toyota factory context. And I, and I think there's nothing about the factory model that is inherently wrong. You just need to have a sense of purpose and mission that, that people can uh, still relate to, that they need to have that to relate their work to. So we're, we're talking here about the um, problems where people might uh, associate the move to Kanban with a, um, a loss of focus, that they've lost the ceremonies of Scrum that allowed them to naturally tell the story and they, they haven't developed the habits outside of it. But that's not necessarily the true, right? You can also have the case where Kanban might help. And I know you have a, a story where you, you felt that Kanban was um, helpful in this. Sure. Well, I have a, a current client right now who's making a shift across their business, about 15, 20 developers and three or four teams to a Kanban process. They did that because they were in a scrum process and they were lacking the focus. So the story wasn't there for them. They really were functioning in a feature factory way where the features would come down the pike and they would work on whatever came next. And although they would work on something for two weeks at a time, it was always a new thing the next two weeks. And in fact, it took them, because of that, three months to build one web page. And that was a little silly. And you can imagine the marketing people weren't too happy about that. So now they're creating a much greater narrative, much stronger narrative for the next quarter, reshaping the teams and working in a much more flexible way so that they can try three or four approaches to building the next web page that they need to create. And that gives them both greater flexibility and actually greater focus and a greater story. So Kanban is helping them in that case to have that story, but the story is coming from outside the process. There's not a ritual or a ceremony or a activity or a meeting that creates it for them. Of course, that doesn't happen in Scrum either or in, in a sprint model. Interestingly, one of the ways that we, we solved our problem on Mars, we added to our Kanban board, we added a lane around, you know, have we, do we have the story for the work? And that was something we had to oh, do nice. before we, we can do. So that's, we said Kanban is really about helping you model your process and then change it. When we find a lack, you, you know, you modify the lanes, you change your work to add what you're missing. A story lane is a great idea. And all of this relates, we're, we're talking about here a much larger pattern. And uh, there's a, a TED talk that we think is worth referencing. If people haven't heard it yet, Simon Sinek has a book and he uh, did a TED talk on start with why. And he talks about the golden circle where you have why at the center of what you do and then how and then what. And when we have this sort of failure mode where people just have the bag of tasks in, in Scrum or they have the um, just the, the random uh, set of stuff in Kanban that coming through and no sense of coherence and purpose, probably there's a, too much focus on what and maybe a bit on how and, and they're probably lacking the why. And the why would certainly be helpful to have. And I hadn't thought of the notion of having a why column. I'm going to try that with some of my clients. I think they could really benefit from that. All right. So um, I think that's it. Hopefully this has been helpful to Barney. And uh, uh, Barney, we really appreciate you passing along. And to anyone else out there who is experiencing uh, trouble with their projects of uh, this type or another, uh, we'd love to get your questions either on Twitter or via email. 
And uh, anything else? I don't know about you, Jeffrey, but uh, Twitter tends to be right only for me. I kind of came across Barney's uh, question by accident, so email would probably be more reliable, but we'll, we'll find you on Twitter eventually. Sorry, Barney, for not getting to your question as quickly as we could have, but uh, do, do, do use either method, but probably going to troubleshootingagile.com and clicking the link to email us is the most reliable. And uh, we encourage that because we really just love getting the uh, the questions from people, and uh, that's always our first of our backlog of topics. The the uh, questions from listeners always come uh, to the top. Absolutely, we like answering them. Good stuff. Well, thanks, Jeffrey. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Will. Well.